Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib, the podcast of Kickstarter, the crowdfunding website. Each week I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, July 22nd, 2013. During this week in history, in 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were the first astronauts to walk on the moon. People, it was just 66 years from Kitty Hawk to the walk on the moon. That's amazing. Hi, Kickstarter. We are Marta and Marta, and this is our first product, the Pepperdex Chocolate, pocket-sized music mixer that we successfully launched on the European market five months ago. Could you tell me about the product to start from the top? So the product, the chocolate? Yeah. Well, we came up with the idea two years ago. We were at the house party after Queen's Day 2011. Queen's Day is a huge party in the Netherlands where we celebrate the Queen's birthday. It's in the outdoors, it's in the city, etc. It's everywhere. And we were listening and dancing to the music coming from an iPhone. After a while, someone else came up with a song on his phone. He said, can you play this song? And yeah, of course, that's possible, the DJ said. But yeah, then we have to disconnect the cable, which will give us an awkward silence, no dancing. And then we have to plug in your phone and then we can continue the music again. And then we thought, wow, this is really a problem we have very often. And we should think about a product that solves this problem. Right. First, we started looking at, is such a product available? Well, we couldn't find one. And then we decided to develop one on our own. And one year after that, we had a working prototype in our hands. And we started selling this product in advance. And many, many shops and retail chains liked the product. So they wanted to stock it as soon as it was available. And then last November 2012, the whole batch arrived. And then the first batch of chocolate ones was sold via all kinds of stores, online shops, etc. Right. But yeah, so many people were using the product. We got a lot of feedback as well that concerned people wanted to have extra features on the product. So we decided to develop it further and add extra features and then go on Kickstarter to get the new product funded. And that's where we are today. Oh, that's cool. You guys are out of Amsterdam, you know, kind of like the show me type of country. That's kind of cool. I've heard that you guys are a little loose on certain laws and all that. Yeah, I think it's the only country in the world where coffee shops are allowed. Coffee shops where you can freely smoke marijuana. Now, do you like the Netherlands for that reason? Well, I've traveled a lot, so I know that there are other countries in the world where it's also kind of loose. Right. Like Australia, I know that they're kind of loose. Oh, I didn't know that. But of course, there are also countries where things are much more strict. Right. And I think, yeah, I think I like Holland because we are very loose and open about things. Well, the name Pepperdex is way cool. It sounds like there's a really cool meaning behind it. And could you tell me that shortly? We had to come up with an innovative name. These days, if you check out an idea for a name and you check out the URL, if it's still available on the web, you find out that it's very hard to come up with a name that's not taken yet. Right. So we were sitting on a couch and we were eating a bag of chips and on this bag there was there was a pepper. <laughs> and then we started thinking about the word pepper and pepper is kind of cool word. And then we thought, well, maybe we can do something with that. And then we thought pepper, pepper decks. And then pepper decks was born and we checked out the URL and it was free. Yeah, and the chocolate. And then the chocolate. That just sounds too rugged, man. That sounds like manly man type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, actually it was because when we were designing the product, at a certain stage we thought, hey, 
this product looks a bit like a big piece of chocolate <laughs> <laughs> because it's you know it's dark it's quite a uh, sleek design it is yeah so we thought okay dj chocolate well then we call it why not we call it chocolate <laughs> we must say that a lot of people they try to pronounce it differently like DJ Locate or oh. DJ Ocklet and things like like these. So, right. but it's really it's chocolate. <laughs> and you guys really into food or something like that? No, no, not at all. No, it's not because of that. No, <laughs> okay, it was, it's yeah. just coincidence. Just check it. Just check it. I mean, there's so many coincidences with you guys. It's Martin yeah. and Martin. It's fathers helping our sons. You know, all of that stuff. Your partner. I mean, yeah. All things we do, we we keep things near to us, and we just started thinking as a starting point ourselves so yeah that's where things come from all right well let's get back to your business why is this device so small because we think it should be pocket size it's not a product for pros right. it's a product for you and i who just want to have a better music experience at a party so normally at a normal house party where there aren't professional turntables available you start mixing from a laptop or your phone right and that's where our device comes in it's just a small gadget that you should take with you in, in your pocket and use it when you are at a party or in the park or on your boat. So that's why it's so small. I can see people really liking it because of that region, especially like younger crowds and stuff like that. But that's cool what you said about the party phenomena, how it's one person playing on their computer or their smartphone and then another person walks up and they're like, dude, I got some songs I really want to hear and you don't want to stop the party. Exactly. So then you Bluetooth this in, I guess, right? And you have a pre-fader on the new one or something so you can preview the music. Yeah, on the old one, we didn't have this, this pre-fader, but now we have. Right. So you can really listen to what you bring in the mix. For DJs, of course, it's important, so we decided to put it in the new product. Right, this product adds a little democracy in, in the mix and stuff. Potentially, anyone with a cool song could just walk up and say, dude, check this out, and then you guys throw it in the mix. I think everybody knows these parties where people have these long playlists, right. and they think, well, all right, we will play my playlist all night long because this is my party, I have this playlist, and we will play this. But you know, after a few drinks, there's always <laughs> someone who comes up and says, hey man, you have got to listen to this. With the chocolate, we make it very easy to plug in, and that's cool, without sacrificing the ambience right. and dancing people. So we can have a continuous flow of music without uh, crackling sounds or, or silences. And it could be corded or Bluetooth or something like that? Yeah, the Bluetooth is, is meant for the output signal. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah, not for the input. Because, you know, when you're mixing, you need to know what's on your music sources. So you need these products always near to you. But for the speaker system, it's not necessary to have it near to you. So therefore, we thought we put a Bluetooth system on the output. So you can set up your DJ kit wherever you want in, in the room. Right. And then just have a Bluetooth connection with your Bluetooth speaker or your, uh, your speaker system with a, with a Bluetooth dongle. And it all started out because you were dissatisfied at a party and someone was yeah. drunk and someone needed to have their tunes played. They couldn't stand to listen to that person's playlist any longer. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you couldn't hear crickets. The girls couldn't stop dancing while you switched up. Exactly, exactly. It's all about the girls. <laughs> I got you, I got you. With this Kickstarter, of course, we want to show our product to the U.S. Right. And open up and try to get a yeah, market there as well for this product. Okay. Martin, Smith, and what's the other Martin? 
De Jong. De Jong. Oh, like that, yeah. too. That's okay. cool, too. Cool name. You guys got a lot of cool names. But Martin and Martin, the Martin families. You know, I hear you guys throw the livest parties in Europe. When I'm over your way, not doing Kickstarter business, or maybe I am, I'll drop by and we'll, we'll toast a few. You know, that'll be cool. For sure. You, you give us a ring. Right. <laughs> and we show you Amsterdam. <laughs> For sure. And for anyone <laughs> on Kickstarter, check out Pepperdex. That's P-E-P-P-E-R-D-E-C-K-S. It's a pocket-sized music mixer. Looks pretty cool, way small, transportable, all of that. If you can't find it there, if it's too small for you to see, if you can't read the small print, go to djgrandpa.com and we'll provide links to the Martin's family reunion where they're making all these cool digital devices. Martin. Man, that's too many Martins. But Smith. Yes. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to answer your questions. My grandfather, he fought in World War II. And this collection is inspired by him. Actually, his bag is right here. It's a map case. It's about 70 years old, and I just, it's beautiful the way it's aged, the leather's patinaed and scratched up. All right, and when people, I saw this bag, you really I don't have that much to do with fashion, but I've always wanted a hand in fashion somehow. So this is my way to do it. So on the show today, I have a gentleman by the name of Daniel. He is on Kickstarter with a very beautiful collection of bags called Satchel and Page. They're kind of like handmade. They're leather, and you know how leather smells pretty good, at least I think it does when it's brand new. So I'm, I'm, I'm imagining his are the same way. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hello, TJ Grandpa. Nice. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. No problem, man. Do you think you could tell me about these leather bags? This project started, uh, my grandfather, he fought in World War II, and um, he showed me his old bag from World War II as a math case. I mean, it was really kind of clean and durable. The leather aged really well. Right. And it kind of inspired me to create a collection of of leather bags, kind of in the same way, you know, styling from the early 1900s. Right. Pretty simple and clean and minimal, but using, you know, leathers and production techniques that will last forever. I saw in the video you talked about quality and everything and how these bags with heirloom quality or something like that. Yeah, all the bags are guaranteed for life. So we really stand by our product. Now, did you try and manipulate me because you know I was a sucker for a grandfather story or a grandparent story? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. You're a sucker for grandfather stories? Yeah. Is your name? Yeah, I guess so. Push it over. That's all right, though. You had a really nice one in the video. You told it all well and stuff, and you seemed all sincere and stuff like that, you know? Did you have a director or something like that prodding you during the video? Like, maybe they sprayed a little lemon juice in your eye or something, so you, you know, you look like you tear up or something? Well, it took a few takes, I'll be honest. You okay. know, I'm pretty, I was pretty nervous. That was, you know, my first time in front of a camera. So I definitely took a few takes, but it was uh, it was sincere. I can promise you that. So it was it's a real grandfather and everything you're talking about and stuff. Yeah. My grandfather, he was like the coolest dude, man. So I can understand that, man. You're dedicating like your bags and stuff to him and all of that. Now, you're talking about real leather, but you said there was a difference between the leather that you use and the leather that you would find in the department stores. You know, when you get into big retail stores, you know, that retailer's going to squeeze you on cost, right? Right. So then you're kind of your motivation kind of shifts from creating the best product you can to you know making a product that's acceptable right. at a cost that you can you know make a lot of profit. 
So when it comes to leather, you know, with a lot of companies, they split the leather hide into four pieces. And so now the leather is really thin. And to hide that, what they do is they'll put a really heavy lining, like a heavy canvas lining or a heavy nylon lining to kind of hide it to give the bag some structure. So if you're really paying for, you know, for the brand and you're not really getting a high grade of leather that way. Right. So what will happen is the leather will, will crack or you know, it just won't age well, won't smell like leather. So we use, you know, a six to eight ounce leather, which is anywhere from two to four times thicker than what you'd find in a department store. And, you know, many of our bags are, don't even have linings. So the leather is really tough and strong. It's able to stand on its own. Wow. It's like rawhide or something like that. Yeah. It's a pretty thick cowhide. And your bags are not machine made? The seams on our bags, right. we hand stitch. Okay. Right. There are some parts of our product that is machine stitched. You know, the seams are just kind of the most, you need your seams to last forever, right? Or else the bag falls apart. Right, gotcha. Those are hand-stitched. What other features do you have that might make your bag stand out for most manufacturers? You know, the look of our bags is kind of kind of handmade. They're very right. durable, but we have added some functionality that you probably that you wouldn't see in like a similar like quality leather kind of product. So, you know, for the mailbag and the briefcase, there's a laptop sleeve. There's also compartments for your iPhone, for your pens, for business cards. I got you. Updated. Yeah, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of updated for right. today's technology. Okay, well, let's go back to the human interest part a little bit. The bag by your grandfather, do you still have that bag? Yes, I do. How old is it, roughly? It's about 70 years old. And you can still use it and everything. It's still functional, you know, I mean. You could use it. I mean, it's got, you know, some different types of pockets. Right. It used to hold mats for the soldiers. So it's got like a laminated pocket right. on the inside. So we did make a bag that was kind of inspired by that, but we did kind of change some of the features so it was more uh, adaptable for today. Which war was your grandfather in? Uh, World War II. That's about it for me, unless you got anything to add, man. It's just a nice short story about your bags. You know, I'm really grateful for kind of for Kickstarter and the Kickstarter community. Yeah. It's really given us an opportunity that, you know, if we were to launch this collection on our website, Right. It would do okay, you know. People like the bags, but we're getting so much exposure to, you know, people all over the world. Oh, I just yes. would never have seen us. So, you know, really grateful for Kickstarter. And how have your backers been? Have they been um nice to you, yelling at you, you know, stuff like that? They're all pretty nice and, you know, definitely appreciate it. There's you get a lot of people that are want you to change everything about the, your product. <laughs> right. Which you try to please everyone to end up pleasing no one. I want one, man, but can you put the DJ Grandpa logo on the side in, um, like, Gold Embossed or something? like? No, I'm just joking. I, I was just asking you, see, would you, what would you change and all that. I'm just joking. We could probably <laughs> hook you up with something. We could maybe hook you up with, like, on the flat with your logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, branding is everything, man. Branding is everything. Yeah, it really is. Now, for anyone out there who'd like a very nice, well, I'm not going to say handmade, but a very nice, durable lifetime guarantee type of leather bag that you can smell the can you smell the leather of these bags absolutely when you're not using it if you just like leave it in your your house that room will get a nice leather smell okay you just heard what he said i couldn't smell it but he guaranteed it along with the lifetime guarantee i just took another smell just now okay see he verified it for anyone out there go to kickstarter.com type in satchel and page s-a-t-c-h-e-l and page p-a-g-e it'll bring up a video you play the video he has a very nice soliloquy on there about his grandfather and him being in world war ii and all that i fell for it like a sucker so anyway if you can't find it there go to djgrandpa.com and we'll provide links daniel 
Thanks for coming on the show and sharing Satchel and Paige. Thank you, DJ Grandpa. When we were young, the simplest pleasures could bring joy and put a smile on our face. Balloons bring us back to that special place. We are Balloon Chain. You probably have seen us. We make uh, lines of balloons that extend above the horizon. They reveal a feature of the wind that you don't usually see. All kids think balloons are magical. So. Yeah, the kids really get into it. Everybody gets into it. It's a lot of, lot, of, lot of fun to see people's reactions to it. Now, how did you get into balloons? How does that become... Is this your occupation? How does, how does one get into it? <laughs> There's an art festival in the desert in Nevada at the end of summer every year called Burning Man. A lot of crazy creative things going on there. So I, I had a concept of what I was going to do with helium and, and balloons, totally different from what uh, I ended up with. And um, it's a very open area in the desert. It's very easy to get lost or if you're with somebody to lose them if you get separated. So right. one morning, my girlfriend and I went out to look at the art and easily we could be separated by a half a mile or you know a mile or so and lose each other. So I figured I'd attach some helium balloons to my bicycle and a few to her bicycle so we could see each other from a distance. And that morning, there was no wind, and the sunlight gives you these really, really long shadows. So I remember riding my bicycle, and I saw these shadows of like five or six balloons I'd attached, you know, going straight up into the sky, maybe 50 feet. And it was something wow. that I just kind of threw together. And it looked really amazing. It was accidental. I was like, this took me five minutes to do. What if I did this for an hour, two hours, three hours? Could I go like a thousand feet or two thousand feet into the sky? Right. And this, that was the, the moment where I was like, wow, this could be something really amazing. So I, I started trying it intentionally that night and uh, I got like 600 feet long. The following night, we got about a 2,000 foot long line. That's how I came up with the idea. Now, how long ago was this? This was in uh, 2006. Okay. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was my second year at the Burning Man Festival. So Burning Man is an arts festival in the desert. They call it like an experimental temporary community. Right. But mostly there's a lot of art there. There's a lot of people who bring theme camps, mutant vehicles. So people will bring cars, pickup trucks, make them look like they're turtles or rubber duckies or whatever. So there's only a lot of weird people. A lot of weird. People. A lot of weird stuff. A lot of creativity there. So right. basically, it's fifty thousand people putting their efforts into making the most amazing party for a week. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. I got you. And where is it at again? It's about a hundred miles north of uh, Reno, Nevada, in okay. the Black Rock Desert. Well, then I guess I'll say you know everything that happens in the desert kind of stays in the desert. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's a magical place. And yeah. Right. So this whole balloon chain burning man thing. So it all started as a lure to keep control of your girlfriend, I see. Yeah, to keep track of each other. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. I guess you could say that. In um, 2007. Same girl? Um, no, unfortunately not. You lost it. Actually, I have a problem bringing girlfriends to Burning Man. <laughs> oh, no. Burning Man is the kiss of death for any relationship I hear. It seems like it. It seems like it. Uh, <laughs> they want it to be like a honeymoon, and I just want to do my own thing. So if I go to Burning Man, and they're there, they have to do their own thing, and I do my own thing, and we might see each other the day before and the day after, but I just like to 
to, to keep it separated. Well, who's going to ride on the other bike or whatever and get this thing like a thousand feet in the air if it's not, you know, the latest girlfriend? I'm from New York. I uh, met some people here who volunteer to help out. Some years, it's as little as three people on the crew. Some years, we have 12 or up to 16 people. We all camp together and build the balloon lines and maintain them. So I'm very lucky to have a lot of great friends who are very enthusiastic about the project. While watching your Kickstarter video, it seems like your balloon chains are like, uh, they're like handmade rainbows or something like that. It was just totally beautiful. And, and to see the time lapse, you know, you had time lapse footage and just to see it wave all across the sky back and forth and stuff, it's, it's just quite magical, man. The thing that's interesting about it is you've got the very open sky there. You've got miles of nothing to get tangled in. The wind has a lot to do with it. So if right. there's no wind, you can go really, really far with it. You could arch it down. There's another person on the other and holding on to it. And um, you can kind of almost like make like a ballet out of it into the sky. Yeah. Would you call this an art project? It's art, but also it's kind of fun with science. You know, it's something that I accidentally came upon. It wasn't like some big uh, symbolic idea that I had. I saw in your Kickstarter video that you're talking about raising money for this project, you know, Burning Man 2013. When is that again? It starts on the Sunday or Monday before Labor Day weekend. So it's usually uh, late August of the year and ends on the Monday of Labor Day weekend. People get there weeks in advance to build these huge art projects out there. The majority of the people arrive when the gates open on that Sunday or Monday before okay. Labor Day weekend. In your Kickstarter video, you you also said this is a way to bring some sort of new technology that you've been working with to the whole process. What's that new technology about? In order to be visible at night, we attach lights to each balloon, so it almost looks like a constellation in the sky. So right. a lot of people, the first time they see it, at night, have no idea what it is. They think it could be a laser or whatever, or the stars are just moving around in the sky. So it really messes with people's heads. But I met some technological geniuses a few years ago who offered to help me design a new, much brighter lighting system that can actually, you can control from the ground from a computer or an iPad and send radio signals to each individual balloon. And you can do crazy patterns. You can actually, people can interact. I can hand them the controller. They can move their finger across a touchscreen and send a light across the sky. Theoretically, cool. two miles long into the sky, you can actually you know, send send a light beam. So it's almost like you're controlling that the, the stars in the sky. I think this is totally magical. Balloons, the weather, the wind. Now you're talking about technology as far as lights and cascading lights, blinking lights. It's incredible. And I just wanted to say, if anyone on Kickstarter is interested in backing this type of project, something that's, like I said, it's it's magical, man. Go to kickstarter.com, type in Robert Bose, or type in Balloon Chain. It'll pull up his page. There are like two or three very beautiful videos that kind of explain it all. And if you can't find it there, go to djgrandpa.com and we'll provide links. Mr. Bose, thank you very much for providing such a public service. Thank you.
doing the hustle? I'm Jonathan. I'm Drew. We're going to make this video extremely short because all the information you need is below us right now. Let's see, let's see. Beardosaurus. My name is Drew. Alright, that's half a Beardosaurus. Where's the other half? I'm Jonathan Malcolmon. The band is called Northern Hustle, though. Oh, yeah, I figured that. I just like the beard part. Okay. <laughs> we got a lot of beards in the band. Let's see, you guys are out of Tempe, Arizona? Yeah. That sounds like Roswell country. <laughs> Area 54 and stuff. Is it 54? 51. 51. I'm thinking about Studio 54. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, dude, your music is very interesting. It sounds like a bunch of guys with beards having a good time. That's exactly what it is, man. That's what we were aiming for. Yeah, have you guys ever seen that old TV series, Cheers, back in the day? They had, like, the mailman and the other guy, Norm, I think, who sat at the bar. Yeah. And one time they had an episode called The Hairy Man or something, and they just went to the mountains and did dude-type things. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you guys' band reminds me of. <laughs> Why don't you guys tell me what your band is actually like? The band started with just John and I. We met about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, and we just started playing guitar together. And we did it so much that we ended up moving in together so we could just keep playing music. And I'd say within the four months or five months, actually probably less than that, we wrote an entire 10 song album and started recording. And as far as the recordings go, we started as just an acoustic band with two acoustic guitars and just singing. Yeah. And then we figured we'd add percussion just to make it a bit more full, but we definitely got a bit more carried away with it and we're happy with how it turned out. And we've been working with Dustin Chaffin over at a studio called Jive Mind Studios. He really helped us out in honing everything and focusing everything. Oh, okay. On the album, he's basically our third band member because he really kind of orchestrated and helped us find our sound. Sister. Mary Magdalene, my heart is jumping at the thought to be tangled in whatever evil you call. Well, sister, Mary Magdalene, my heart is jumping at the thought to be tangled in whatever evil you call. We were supposed to be kind of a lo fi listening acoustic band and nothing just really fit right no that didn't work out yeah we just kept playing the drums harder and harder yeah until uh, until we found our sound and then uh, as soon as we found it we brought on two other musicians named uh, Bradley Kleeman and Max Berzueta yeah and they now play I wouldn't say drums they don't really play drums for us they uh they jump around yeah they... yeah we, we it's pots and pans it's a glass vase a suitcase all sorts of different things, but it really adds to the sound live and adds to the energy live. Now, what is your sound, though? You keep referring to the sound once we found our sound. What is it? We explain it as summer camp or high fives, maybe spring break. <laughs> it, it just sounds like fun. That's really all it is. We just have a blast. I don't know of any bands really that we can compare it to or a genre of music we can compare it to because we didn't try and, and match anything that we've heard. We just we kind of stumbled into it. Okay, and I hear that you're putting out a concept album. How does this concept album read? John and I set out to tell a story. The album is part one of it and it's gonna be one of three. And this first album is basically the deterioration of a relationship from beginning to end. 
it just goes through all the motions of a relationship falling apart and the main character ends the relationship at the end of it and then uh, it also has to do a lot with growth and a lot with personal progression you guys are very silly in the video too a lot of hijinks going on <laughs> yeah i'd say that's just us that's exactly how we act together in fact towards the beginning when we first met that's all we did i didn't even know too much about Drew, we just always joked around. Oh yeah, I saw it, man, in the whimsical drawing and all of that, you know, I was a sucker for it, so I couldn't resist, man, and then I love any type of music with chanting in it, da 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 Oh, we've got a lot of that, man. Yeah. All throughout the album. Yeah, it reminds me of drunk people somehow, but <laughs> I really liked it, so I had to reach out to you guys, man, I couldn't resist, so you guys just sucker punched me the whole way. Thank you very much. How long have you been planning to bring this whole chaos theory to Kickstarter? The original theory of the band was John and I were just going to write, and we, we never actually planned on playing shows at all, and we never planned on trying to tour or anything like that. It was just for us. And we decided if we put it out on Kickstarter, and if people want it, then they can have it. And if not, then there won't be an album. And we were okay with that, too. Congratulations. You guys reached minimum funding, and you still have time left. So congratulations on that. Your whole shenanigans and all that have somehow paid off. You marketed it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. We've also been adding goals to the Kickstarter, newer goals, because within the first three days, it was it was already funded. And as much as that blew us away, we're putting together a lot more things as far as extra goals and, and trying to get more done with it. I like those shirts of yours, man. They're way cool. I might have to get one of those. Drew is the designer for, for everything, for the CD, for the shirts, for the shows. Anything that's designed is most likely was done by Drew. You guys know how to do it, man. You, you only draw for yourself. You only play music for yourself. You don't even care what the public thinks, man. We just want to have fun. Luckily, there's a lot of people that want to have fun with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe this is a whole new model for the music business instead of trying to you know do the business you just have fun and, and put it out you know hey didn't the grateful dead or something do something like that i'm not sure man but that's <laughs> i gotta tell you I, I wish that's the way it was the more that we've gotten exposure the more we've been exposed to the music industry we if see. it was more run on fun and not money i think uh, everything would go a lot better oh yeah we see a lot of burnout musicians all over the place you guys sent me four songs now. Tell me something about these songs, you know? Give me a title, tell me, do they mean something, or what part of the relationship is said song part of? We kind of sent you an odd amount of songs, or an odd order of the songs, but our key song right now is Homestead. It's, it's basically our single, it's what's getting radio play, and Homestead is basically the beginning of our concept album where the character is in a happy relationship and feeling great before uh, his significant other starts to pull away. And it's just about finding, I don't know what you explain. Finding, yeah, it's about finding himself and finding growth after a right when the relationship is starting to go downhill. Just finding your place. Yeah, okay. And then having it ripped away from you later on in the album. <laughs> yeah. There are definitely some depressing points in the album. But 
We do a really great job of playing sad songs really happy. So although the <laughs> lyrics may be depressing, the, the music is always on the upbeat. Very driving. Now what does that mean though? As far as the, the lyrics? No, no, like, like the lyrics, you know, totally bum you out, but the music is like happy. What does that mean? I don't know, I think it shows promise. No matter how ugly things are that you're going through, there's still beauty in it. Still progress to be found. Yeah. Now, it's Drew and it's Jonathan, right? Yes. That's correct. And the other members of the band are uh, Bradley and Max. They're not here with us tonight. And also, we can say Dustin from Jive Mine is a member as well because right. we owe him a lot. All right, you're getting a whole posse in there, and then I'm thinking Beardosaurus and Forget Her, Forget Her, Forget... I can't pronounce that. Forget no, her. that's fine. You can pronounce it as Forgether or Forget Her. They're both the same. You guys landed on thick. And Northern Hustle, the debut album coming off on Kickstarter. These guys are funded already, but they're not turning down any other money. So go to kickstarter.com. They got some real cool t-shirts. Type in Northern Hustle. If you can't find them there, go to djgrandpa.com and we'll calm you down and we'll provide you the link so you can go back and have as much fun as you can. This is possible because these guys know how to throw the liveest parties. <laughs> Northern Hustle, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, man. When I go, I don't want to be called. if it happens, I've been told. Where I go, my life should be. There's water on the On this week's segment of Meet the Crowd, we're talking to Joni Farley. She's a female empowerment expert who came on the show to bring me up to speed about women and crowdfunding. Now, how about that? I'm the Alan Alda of crowdfunding. I contacted you because I'm always looking for people who have an interesting perspective, I think, on the community. And that community, I mean the community of crowdfunding. Funding. So when I saw your article talking about your crowdfunding at the moment and stuff to raise yeah. capital to help build your network, but I believe the article said something to the effect because you weren't having as successful a time crowdfunding as you thought you would, and uh, you thought that because there were just so many women out there and this whole female empowerment thing out there that it would be easier, but when you actually yeah. got into it, you found out there was a different story. We thought it'd be really easy because we've got a big network of women. They all really support what we do. They want to see us succeed because that will help them and so on. But they just weren't going onto the crowdfunding site. We're with cedars.com, which is a British site. The group of women that, that we knew online, they wanted to support us. They wanted to see us do well. They wanted to be part of that community. And they just didn't understand. They just didn't get crowdfunding. We were absolutely shocked. We thought we we're naturals to be crowdfunded. Right. And we found it immensely difficult. How big of a female network do you think yourself that you had kind of like that you thought they were behind you? 
like how many, 5,000, 10,000 women? Not 10,000 women, no. In Britain, we don't get into those big numbers very easily. But I'd say we had 2,000 women. Okay, 2,000 women, that's an army, a small army, a brigade. That's a small army. Yeah. If you look at investment in general, women are slightly more risk-averse than guys. They're a bit more careful. They want to know outcomes and so on. Right. And... I think they just feel immediately, ah, not for me, if we're talking about investments. They think, oh, I'm not one of those kind of people. Now, guys, of course, they're quite heavily into the whole tech thing. And so they think, this sounds pretty exciting. This sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I could go for this. This sounds great. Women don't, in general, they don't just don't get that fun side of it yet. Right. But I think it's just because they literally don't get onto the site. Or when they get on the site, I don't know how it works in the States, but but here in UK, you have to go through all sorts of questions and so on that the SCA insists on to make sure that you're a sophisticated investor. Now, immediately a woman hears words like, are you a sophisticated investor? They click off. They think, oh, no, I'm not. Because Hmm. women are always worried about being good enough. So if someone slightly questions them, they think, oh, I shouldn't be on this site. I don't like that aspect of women. I don't like that. It's just who they are, though, you're saying. Well, it's who they are at the moment. Of course, not all women are like that, just like all guys aren't kind of gung-ho. I know, but we're just talking about stereotypes, you know. I got a a stereotype stuff. I I know I'll get letters of people saying, you know, there's always the people who say, well, that's not my story, but I have to tell a story, so I have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, what about... But I also believe, and this is a stereotype also, I also believe that a a great deal of the crowdfunding community, you know, reward-based, is driven by the geek community. And I don't think that you view women as geeks to the same proportion. I think guys have shown themselves so far to be more interested in that whole side of things. Right. Anything techie is more likely to attract more men. And... You know, that's just one of those things. It won't always be that way, but right now it's kind of like that. So what do you plan to do about it? Once women see it as fun, they'll think, I want to be in on this. Because I don't know whether it's the same in the States, but but here, about five years ago, I remember seeing a program on the television that which was about funding startups. And a guy and a woman came along and they got an idea for online bingo. And uh, one of the people that was interviewing them said, I don't really see this as being such a big thing, bingo. It's a bit old-fashioned, isn't it? What women used to do on a Saturday night, you know, that kind of thing. And they said, you just watch. And my God, were they right. I'm sure that that person that said that is wishing they'd invested. Because it's just taken this country by storm. Now with more games and bigger jackpots than ever before. Plus £15 free play with no deposit required. Women like being in their own space with their mates, having a laugh, putting a small amount of money towards something. Ah. Now, if that's a big deal, it's because the bingo companies have understood how to educate them. Because nobody gets up in the morning thinking, hmm, I think I might go on a bingo website and Google see if we've got any of those. I mean, nobody thinks that. But all the time on the telly, on everything, just when you're getting a bit bored with life, Along comes some jolly little ad saying, you know, we'll give you 50 quid to start it, etc. And then you're, you're hooked. <laughs> but what we know is women are risk averse, but by God, they don't mind gambling. Small sums in a crowd 
and able to do it online rather than going to a betting office. Now, if we know that there are thousands, literally hundreds of thousands, millions of women doing that every week, we know that women could really get into crowdfunding. I'm not saying that it's a gamble in the same way, but there is that risk element, but it's small amounts. And we've shown women love that stuff. So it's just an education thing. And that's why I call it a love affair waiting to happen. Okay, okay. I'm feeling the (laughs) excitement. I'm starting to get excited. I remember when we... (laughs) first spoke on the phone you said I was a braggart I remember I haven't forgotten that but no but that, no I said you were a name dropper that's very different okay 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 I'm, is I, that I, different I, in the states name dropper name dropper here is a good thing <laughs> well I don't know a lot about your culture but I'm learning with all the guests that I talk to from okay. the UK all the time yeah but I want you to tell me some stuff I want you to name drop not necessarily the same way, but I want you to tell me what you're going to do about this because you're in the midst of crowdfunding and you got to have some, like you said, fun ideas to get these women involved. You know, I'm not saying change your name to DJ Grandma or something because that's fun. But what ideas do you have? Because I, I looked at your site, Women Out of the Box, and you have the ear of 2,000 women. What are you going to do about it? We've been talking about building an army of entrepreneurs. It's just a phrase, right? Right. Women could be an army of entrepreneurs. So we're thinking about, could we put together a stunt which is kind of like army-based and so on, to do with women, get into the media, get people in London interested, and so on. We're we're thinking along those lines. What what do you think? What what ideas have you got? What have you heard that's fun? My ideas are, are this. The people who seem to be the most successful on Kickstarter, you know, stereotypically, sure. are the people who are the most aggressive. And, okay. and it's the gamers. So if I were you, I'd go to Kickstarter, even though you're not on that platform. Okay. I would go to Kickstarter and I would copy the gamers and I would do all the tricks that they do. Follow the geeks, not only try and get women so I'm just saying there are a lot of quote unquote liberal guys out there that you can also enlist, expand your your base. There have to be male supporting organizations and groups that support women and women's issues. I call them the Alan Alders of the world. And I know, you know, as a woman, you probably don't want to contact a guy, want it to be all women. And I'm not saying you can't. You know, we're looking for funding, of course, men, women, whatever. We just thought that women would pile on in there. Right. But I'll definitely have a look at that. That's, as you say, more aggressive. Yeah, that's what we've got to learn, isn't it? That's what it's all about. Yeah, you have to be more aggressive, even though that's a totally stereotypical male thing. But you have to be more aggressive because money is finite. And crowdfunding is like the only job going in the whole world right now. You're right. Maybe you guys should like have bingo night or something because you're telling me how powerful it is. I'm really, I'm really talking about how great bingo is. Right. And I'm just thinking you're right. You're right, you know. Yeah, you're right. We should do a bingo thing. Do the things that are stereotypical to women, even though I'm not trying to use that as, as a negative. I'm just trying to say yeah. as far as sales and as yeah, far yeah, as sure. connectivity. You just hope you don't miss out on it. You know, if you if you look back on your life, you think things you just about that you didn't quite. And I just hope about crowdfunding that we just don't quite miss out because we left the party too early. Perhaps we should have stayed around. The last dance, we'll call it that. The last dance, yeah. yeah. See who's left. <laughs> 
I believe it's possible for all you said to happen because women are like 50 or 60 percent of the population and they spend like they spend almost on 80 percent of the products consumed in this world. And women now have probably got more money to be able to put into things like crowdfunding than they've ever had. You know, there are women who have had professional jobs throughout their life. If I think back to a generation ago, not that many women had professional jobs their whole lifetime. If you've got a professional job your whole life, you're coming into a pension at some point. You get tax-free allowances. You've got to put it somewhere. You've got women who are divorcing and getting good settlements. You're getting women that are earning better salaries than they've ever done. So it isn't like, well, women don't really have the hold of any money. They have the hold of a lot of money. It's just, as you say, it's about it's about getting there and making them understand that this is something they're really part of, that this is just right for them, that it could yeah. be a lot of fun apart from anything else. You know, I always get the website wrong. So could you tell me where people could go if they want to find out more information about you and what you do? It's women outside the box.co.uk. With Meet the Crowd, we're not only trying to let you know about the quote-unquote crowdfunding expert, we're also trying to let you know about different ideas in crowdfunding and different types of people, what they're trying to do or their situation. And Joni is one of those persons. So, Joni, I'd like to say thanks for coming on the show and giving me a perspective on women and crowdfunding. Thanks very much. It's brilliant. Christine, I'm producing the movie along with uh, Michael Valentino and Olivia Martinchenko. We are so excited and flattered all the support that you guys have shown us so far. We want to do an update to our videos so you can kind of see um, what we're doing with the stunt coordinator and our three of our female fighters. Very, very excited to show you Girl Club. How's it going, Christine? Hi, how are you? I'm doing okay. So, what did you want to talk about? It's a dangerous world out there. Sometimes guys just can't cut it, you know, and sometimes they need a, a woman to protect them. And so I heard you knew all about that. <laughs> yeah, so you want to know a little bit about Girl Club? Yeah, Girl Club, that super secret organization of those crack elite girl fighters in case I need a bodyguard or something like that, you know, because sometimes DJ Grandpa, he might come in harm's way and... <laughs> You seem to have your thumb on the pulse of some of the crack elite women out there who seem to kick butt better than the guys. At least that's what your Kickstarter said. We worked with some amazing ladies on that project. My money would be on them in a fight against a guy any day. (laughs) They're pretty tough cookies. (laughs) Okay, well, tell me about Girl Club. I'm dying to hear about it. But first... I want to congratulate you because on May 10th, your Kickstarter was fully funded, you've gotten the money, and you're off making your film. Yes, yes. We actually just finished filming it. Now tell me about these women who risk everything to get into the seedy underground. Well, am I right? Is it seedy underground type of fighting? Yeah, so the story is about this female boxer named Maya, and she is trying to make her comeback and prove herself, and so she gets kind of pulled into this underground fighting world, and her opponent that she has to fight is this younger woman than her, really, really tough, and all bets are against her. So the whole story is her manager, they have a child together. So there's like a love interest there. Her whole career, she's thrown fights for him and he's bet on her to lose. 
and that was a safer bet than betting on her to win. So with this comeback fight, she's been training, and he wants her to throw the fight. Oh, that's not cool. Yeah, so she proves herself, and she's in a financial hardship. She's homeless. She has a young son she has to support. So she's really put in a tough spot of throwing the fight and helping him win the money, and maybe she'll get some of that to help her get out of the situation or kind of standing up for herself and believing in herself, really, that she can do this on her own. She can win the fight, and she can help her and her son without taking the path that the manager wants to. Oh, okay. Now, is this a true story? You know, like back in the day, they used to have all those made-for-TV movie, you know, women in trouble. They weren't fighters like this, but is it a true story? It's not a true story. It's actually, what inspired it is we own a production company, and one of our good friends, Kimberly Estrada, she is a fighter, and she was actually a stunt player and Million Dollar Baby, and she's had this great career, and so we really wanted to produce something for her, right. and so she kind of inspired the story. There's not enough stories out there where the females are the lead in these action movies, and they're saving themselves, you know? It's really all about having a strong female character right. who wasn't relying on anyone else. How has the filming gone? Was it very exciting? Did the movie kind of go exactly the way you want? Or were there always these hardships, you know, twists and turns, and you had to figure your way out of them? There is definitely a lot of roadblocks. Since it is an action movie, we had a lot of stunts. And so it was really hard trying to find, you know, really great people who believe in our story and our project right. who donate their time. And we found this amazing trainer named David Craig. He's big into Muay Thai kickboxing world, and he was just fabulous. So he helped coordinate everything, and we had a huge crew. We had about 10 principals and, like, 60 extras. So it was a lot to coordinate. In the budget, we weren't working with a lot of money. We thankfully found some amazing people on Kickstarter to help back our project. And then, you know, we invested into our project as well. The reason that I contacted you in the first place is because, you know, I saw Girl Club, Mm -hmm. you know, and and then I saw these fists and, and then I see, you know, the girl boxers and stuff. And, you know, maybe I'm sexist or something, you know. A little bit. But I, I clicked on it and I was like, well, girl boxers, you know, I think that could be kind of cool. You know, I think everybody would be interested sort of kind of in seeing girls fight, you know, duke it out. Yeah. But I guess I said the sexist part because I was like, well, why would a girl want to do that? You know, I'm thinking a girl is pretty and wanting to be pretty, but it just seems like boxing puts all of that at risk. So, I mean, is that a stupid question or statement or something like that? No, and I, you know, it's funny. I mean, yeah, when people think of fighters or boxers or these, you know, these MMA guys, it's right. always guys. You don't really hear a lot about girls. And it's funny, one of the Maya, our lead in the film, her main opponent, the young lady's name is Brianna Alfaro, and she's actually not an actress. She is so passionate about fighting and, you know, trained with a, a boxer like three days a week in preparation for this. She's a trainer. Right. So, you know, there are these women out there that are really into this. Okay. When I described the project to people, I was saying it was Fight Club, but for chicks. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it is kind of that role reversal, and it's going against, you know, the gender stereotype. Right. But it is really cool. And these girls were, oh my gosh, they were so tough. We went to some of their training sessions. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a very early girl. So right. I was amazed at what 
they were doing. It was crazy. For the record, I'm not trying to say that girls can't fight or they can't beat up people. You know, I totally believe that. I know I could be taken out by them. You know, no problems with that. I don't want any of your friends looking for me or anything like that. Oh, no, yeah. No, I know. I, I've never been in a physical altercation myself, but... I think something like this, you know, everyone can kind of live vicariously through it a little bit, you know? <laughs> like, I know that I've probably been in situations where I maybe wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I got you. So it's kind of cool to watch these ladies do their work. They were great. <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. No, 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 no. But but I do think the premise of your film is really cool, and, and if you got some really cool action scenes and stuff like that, that'd be really cool, man. Now, when do you believe that your film is going to come out? Our goal is to have post-production done by August, and then we're going to have a big, like, viewing party in Los Angeles and invite, you know, everyone that backed the film, anyone who knew about the film, to have, like, a big party and really, really get everyone involved. So the idea is to hopefully make a feature out of it. Christina, thank you very much for the interview. Keep your head low. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Welcome back. This week on The Poetry Crib, we have Theron Kennedy. He's a father, a teacher, a poet, and an author. You know, this one is a grab bag. I'm going to throw my hands up in the air, and, and, and I just want you to hit me with something. And I know you got something for us good on the poetry crib there, because you always do. I mean, w- what is it this time? It's called Departures. Okay. It's about being at the airport, waiting for my plane to depart, looking back on a relationship that uh, it's uh, breaking me up, that it's over. Okay, Heartbreak Hotel. I got you. All right, let me hear it. I realize some bridges need to be burned so that I can't go back to chasing ghosts that haunt my dreams. This is not how I thought it would go. I thought if I gave you room, you would feel free. In that freedom, understand and love, choose we. But now it's just me, realizing, thinking, knowing. It's time for my departure, a pivotal moment. I keep telling myself not to look back because in some universes this bridge is only in my imagination a hologram created by my longing for how coming back to life feels i've been combing through it like a crime scene investigation grieving like a funeral looking for someone like you selfishly praying to you wishing you would stop me watching the clock hoping you will break tell me not to go wishing that you would know that i let you go because I know what love is. Now boarding flight 518 to Shanghai with a four and a half hour layover, freezing as our Cold War leads to no more. I don't want to go back without you. I feel homeless. Wow, man, that is Heartbreak Hotel, man. I like that. I love that. I don't know if I've ever been through it like that. Yeah, of course I have. I mean, everybody's had heart. Even TJ Grandpa. I mean, we all get into it. I mean, it's a universal, so thanks a lot. I know you always got something nice in store for us, man. So I'm really looking forward to the next poetry crib. And thanks for this one. I'd like to give a shout out to my man, Sammy Harris. Check out his Kickstarter, Derek. It's a short sci-fi film that needs a little tender care, a few more backers, and it's our of need. 
it only has 48 hours left. Check it out for me. I'd like to thank all our guests. I'd also like to thank our listeners. Each week, we couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes out to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music to DJ Grandpa's Crip. Thanks to Theron Kennedy, our Director of Marketing, and to Jeffrey Banks and Bertram Zeke, our Assistant Editors. Until next week, so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's Crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is A.F. Rufus.